heaven and how beautiful we have a relationship with our Father that we have been adopted as His children. We are His redeemed children and we can call Him Father. We can call Him Dad. We have an identity. We're sons. We are not actually musicians. We are not actually doctors. We are not preachers. We are not, finish the blank, finish the statement, we are sons. We are daughters. We have an identity. We're valuable. We have a future. It's beautiful. So today, look at there. We're going we're gonna to tear apart this piece where it says there, our Father in heaven in this next line, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Holy would be your name. Let's talk a little bit about this. In Exodus chapter 3, Moses was gently tending his flock. It was his father-in-law's flock, Jethro. And Jethro was a priest, and it says that Moses was on the far side of the desert, and he was near a, a mountain, and the mountain was called the Mountain of God. The mountain's name was actually Horeb. And it says that suddenly an angel appeared to Moses in like flames in a bush. Um, I'm positive that this was a surreal experience for this man. I'm positive that he hadn't seen too much of this in his life, and so I'm positive that it probably freaked him out a little bit. But he's like uh, a lot of men, me included, almost all of us. <laughs> I have a billion stories going on in my head because he says this statement. I will go over there and see this strange sight. And that's what men do. They're dumb. They're adventurers. They're curious about things, even if it's a stupid thing to be curious about. Oh, look. There's a giant tiger. He's five feet away from me, and he's growling at me. Let me go see how sharp his teeth are. And so we walk close and get bit. That's the kind of thing. That, and so that's a little bit about what was kind of going on with Moses. He was curious, obviously, about the burning flame by the bush. Well, little did Moses know that those tiny little curious steps would change the entire course of his life. The steps that now, literally, think about it, he was tending his sheep, a beautiful, serene moment in the desert near the mountain of God, and everything's beautiful and phenomenal until he sees the flame, and his curiosity allows him to take a step. And the beautiful part of this scripture is that God, it says this, and God saw Moses turn and walk towards the bush. And those steps actually ruined it all in the best way for Moses because it began for him an unbelievable journey into mystery. Let me say that again. It began an unbelievable journey into complete and utter gray in his life. The actual journey that every one of us hate. We don't want journeys like that. We want journeys that are clean and surgical and black and white and laid out for us. We see all the problems. We see all the positives. We've got the lists, and it wasn't at all anything like that. 
Nothing about this journey as he stepped close to this bush was going to be like that at all. One author has said this. One of the things that us Christians do well is that we operate very well within the sphere of management, but we never, we don't often operate very well in the sphere of mystery. I think it's very true. And the supernatural, how God works, how the Holy Spirit works, what happens when he works is usually in this realm over here that requires a lot of what? How could this possibly be happening? What, how could this mean anything in the future? It's a step into mystery. And the Bible says that when the Lord saw that Moses had gone to take a look at the bush, he actually called out. Now, God called out his name, and he says his name twice, Moses, Moses, as if to get his attention, maybe, maybe he was, it wasn't there. And then Moses made the second most crucial choice. He made the opposite one from Adam and Eve, actually. He ran into the voice, and he said, here I am. And the Lord said in verse 5 of Exodus 3, you know what he said? He said something unbelievably profound and very mysterious. He said this, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals. For the place that you are standing is what? You know? The place you are standing is what? Holy ground. Don't come closer. Take off your shoes. For the place you are standing is holy. What do, what do we know? Can, can you do me a favor today? Because I'm going to, this is probably going to be really, this is like, there's some serious things I want to share with you today. And the topic of holiness is a pretty serious thing. So could you just do a favor and really try to tune in and don't listen for anybody else but yourself today? Just, just for you. Not for your wife, not for your friends, not for grandpa that's not here or whatever, just you. What, what do you know about holiness? What do, you, what do you know, what do I know about God's holiness? Because from this time on, Moses was forever changed. And he was confronted, and I think it's a great adjective, he was confronted with the vicious holiness of God. The absolute purity of the Lord. Do we have those moments in our lives? What's happened to us? What's happened to our seriousness about God's holiness and his holy intentions on our lives? Are we, are we serious at all about that in our lives? 
God's love is so vicious and so pure and so large and so all-consuming in this little story that Moses had to take his shoes off. I guess that one of the things that God wanted to communicate to Moses or to know one of the first things that he wanted Moses to know was that he was dealing with a God who was holy so holy that he would say where I am at this place this ground wherever I am this is the mysterious miracle wherever I am is holy God's disclosure to Moses is, I am holy, take your shoes off. I thought about that. And I thought, when was the last time that I had a take your shoes off moment with God? When was the last time that I had a take-your-shoes-off moment. And I don't know how you interpret that. But how I picture it is like snotty crying. Like just, just almost like I, I, can't, I can't believe that you, you're a God who cares this much for me in spite of my sin and my horrific self. Do you have those? See, these take your shoes off moments, I want you to, I want you to pray about these this week. I want you to pray about the possibility of God giving, giving you a couple of these this week. And maybe it doesn't look like what I described, but it would be interesting to have you describe what it would look like and what God would do. But these take-your-shoes-off moments to me are these moments where it's, it's just, it's sacred. There's something sacred happening. And, and by the way, one of the things that I really am disturbed about in my life, and I think I'm disturbed about for you as, as my beloved friends, is the, is the, the absence of the, the deep, sacred, serious, sacred nature of our relationship with our Lord in light of this completely fast and technological society. But that's what these take-your-shoes-off moments are. They're, they're sacred and they're, they're serious. Um, my friend here, uh, you know, you guys know Dave. Dave's come and preached many times. And we have a, we have a, we have, our relationship is very brother, brother to brother. Feels like a blood brother to me. We, there's a lot of fun that happens between us. But we had to come up with a, uh, a code word because we, we have fun so much and we tease so much that we had to come up with a code word to say when do we really want to speak seriously to one another. And so the code word that we came up with was, hey, this is serious, serious. So we have to say serious, serious twice in order for us to then understand. And we made a, I mean, we made a law. We, we legislated our hearts to say when we say serious, serious, it's now 
on. <laughs> it's on. And that, that is what's going on here with Moses, and that's what's going on here with God. And God says, you take your shoes off because this is serious, serious. Because I'm going to reveal something to you that you can't handle. You couldn't even see me because of my perfection and my eternality and my character and my purity. And so you take your shoes off. And that's what these moments are. They're sacred. Think about it now. Are these in your life? They're serious. They're reverent. What are you thinking about, like a monk now, right? Or somebody walking around in a robe or something? They're humbling. They're worshipful. Moments where we have to shut our mouths and take our shoes off because we are confronted with a vicious, brilliant, perfect character of God. And that's many times, I think, what prayer is supposed to be for us. And that's what it really, that's a piece of it. I'm going to get back to how it is your name. But holy is your name is this idea that in prayer we're actually inviting the vicious, brilliant, perfect character of God, the holy character of God that he would be in our lives and among us and with us and in us. And I thought about this today because it's probably more of a reflection on me than it maybe is for you. But I thought, I asked myself this question. Is everything in my life just one big cynical joke? The way I think about God, the way I think about church, the way I think about you. Do I actually take off shoes and believe that as I worship and stand in front of a holy God, that God could actually have holy intentions for me. God had holy intentions for Moses. Deeply holy intentions. Young man in the audience today listening to me, God has holy intentions for you that are very serious. Young woman, God has holy intentions for you that are extremely sacred. Will you listen? What is church to us? What is this? What is my small group that I meet in? Is it just another place where I can come and be critical and judgmental of all the ways that it doesn't perform for me? We're so afflicted, aren't we, with our own selves? We're so afflicted, aren't we, with our own coolness that God forbid we would be able to come into a church service even now. Think about how crazy this is and that we would not be able to sing a song better is one day in your house because that song is eight years old. Are you serious? <laughs> really? That's what, that, that's what this has become? kind of like a thing that we just, we, we're always just kind of, we're so cynical that we just, we're just judging on these unbelievable multiple levels all the time. But we are, we're afflicted with our own selves. And the only burning bush that we ever run to is the burning bush of our own selves. 
And the problem with that burning bush is like a little big lighter. It has no oxygen. It has no power. It hardly is a flicker. And we can better believe that that little big lighter is not holy. That's not holy. It's not the holy that we're talking about today. You see, we've got to come to realize, and what I want to share with you, this is just it's true about me probably more so than it is about you, is that we've got to come to realize, first of all, as we think about this idea of hallowed is your name, we've got to come to realize, and I talk with you a lot about this because I think it's important that it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about Hallowed's your name. There's a conversation that takes place after Moses listens to God at the burning bush. And I call it the conflict of the eyes. Eyes. And I want you to hear the conflict because it's very, very indicative of the way you and I live. And the conflict of the eyes is between Moses saying what I want himself and what God says when he, God says, this is what I want. Listen to the conflict. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. And then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sufferings. And I have come down to deliver them out of the land, hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites. And now behold, the city of the people of Israel are, has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come. I will send you to the, to the Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. But Moses said, Who am I? Because that's all he understood. He was just still carrying around the little lighter. He said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. He said, then the Lord said, but I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. And then Moses said, if I come to the people of Israel and to them, the Lord, the God of our fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? What shall I say? And God says, I am who I am. Read it. Read the rest of it. And the conversation just gets unbelievably so crazy, so crazy, so insane crazy that apparently the burning bush didn't work and God has to say, all right, you don't get it? See that, see that stick beside you there? Pick it up. And he goes to do it and he turns it to a snake. And it freaks him out. He says, now, pick it up by the tail. Apparently, that's easier for Moses, and he does it. By the way, nobody, nobody ever would ever tell you to pick a snake up by the tail. 
how crazy the Lord is. He says, pick it up by the tail. Why? Because he's trying to teach a way greater principle than, than you know, zoology. He picks it up by the tail, it turns back into a stick. Apparently, that's not enough. Take your hand, put it inside your coat. Pull it out, brings it out. It's full of leprosy. Put it back in, pulls it back, pulls it back out. He's healed. Moses still doesn't get it. I, I can't do it. I need some help. What did God do? You remember? All right, I'll send you, give you Aaron. <laughs> and I guess I wanted to stop there. I wanted to tell you that. Because when you look at this, this whole idea, I think that one of the real problems, and I, this kind of gets back to my illustration before, is that Moses was, God was taking a, Moses on a journey that was trying to convince him, Moses, it's really not about you. It's about me. It's about what I'm going to do. And what I want you to do is I want you to step into that mystery, and I want you to shut your mouth, and I want you to trust me because I'm good, and I can do it. And stop thinking about your life always from me, I, 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 and what I can't do and what I'm going to do and what should I say. I want you to think about me so now the scripture is hallowed be your, your name. And on the, in the, in the, in the, in the, as you look in the verse, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And then the next one is, Your kingdom come. And then the next one is, Your will be done. J.I. Packer said this. He said, Every school of Christian thought insists clear headedly that the praise of God, as distinct from the promoting of ourselves, is the proper purpose of man's life. Psalm 115.1 says this, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. But it's tough. Because the world that we live in is pretty consumed and the cocktail that we drink every night is a cocktail filled with ourselves. Last night, I did a wedding. And um, <laughs> the only thing I could tell you is it was like 100 degrees when I was doing the wedding. It's like weird. We did it at this barn. It was beautiful. It's a beautiful wedding. But it's like, you guys, I'm not even kidding you. It was horrible. <laughs> like, no, 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 no. I, 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 I had, you know, you got to wear the suit, right? I can't wear, you know, I can't wear this, even though I'd love to. I mean, I got, by the time I go to stand up front, pouring, like losing 40 pounds a minute. Just horrible. 
And the only thing I did, and we, we went, as we went to the rehearsal dinner the night before, I went back here on Saturday morning, spent three hours editing my talk, and that's like the bane of the minister's existence, you know, to edit and bring it down. So I finally get it down to about nine minutes, you know, thanking God, all excited. We get there. It doesn't matter. It wouldn't have mattered if it was a minute prayer or minute sermon. I mean, we, people were just... You know, there's second, you know, I'm, I, I know they're all just begging, please in this. I mean, you know, just singing this, you know, please, you know. I get, I am so parched at the end of the day of this wedding, I don't know, 25 minutes. I'm so parched that I'm really excited about a cold beverage. And so I walk over to the cold beverage station. And the man is pouring a cold beverage for me. So excited because I'm parched. And I'm deserving, by the way. Get me? I'm deserving because I had just done my work. And when a man works in America, he gets paid, even if it's in beer. So sure enough, I'm waiting. It's taking way too long. Really getting frustrated at the little pump deal. I need that. And he gets done, and I go to grab it. And I, get this now, I had not even noticed that there was a man standing right next to me in front of me. I didn't didn't notice it. I was so, right, in front of me that as soon as this guy goes to lift the drink, this guy goes to gr- grab it, and I do too. I'm just, I, and I move right in. I'm attacking it, you know? And he does this. He goes, oh. And I felt like a complete and utter selfish hog. Have you ever been in that? Where you just go, oh my gosh, this guy stood there in line waiting, and I, because all I can think about is, oh, Jolie, and hops. I have to just dive in there. Is that your problem too? Are you like me? I use that crazy illustration to let you know that I think that when, the, when this idea of praying hallowed be your name, what we're praying is we're praying to your name and we're saying, God, we're committing now to the agenda that you have for our lives, and if that agenda for, that you have for our lives includes suffering and pain, or whatever it is, then I'm in. And let me finish this by giving you some theological points about hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name is actually an ask. It's not as much of a statement. It's holy would be your name. It's a petition. And it's like this, that your name would be holy amongst us and in us in all that we do. Now pay attention now. We are asking God that his name and his agenda would be regarded as sacred and worthy of worship. We are standing on holy ground when we pray. We are standing before the fire of his brilliance, his purity, And we are opening up our hands for his holy intentions. God had holy intentions on Moses. 
He has holy intentions on us. Are we serious at all about this? We need to be. 1 Peter 1, 6 says this, Be holy as I am holy. Well, how can that be? Well, Hebrews tells us how it can be. It says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. We have a high priest. His name is Jesus Christ, and we are covered in his innocence and righteousness and can enjoy, actually, because of Jesus, the holiness of God. 